Wow. Music was, was awesome this morning. Amen. And so Billy and the choir did an excellent job as always. And then Kevin and SJ, wow, you guys are good together. Uh, that was really, really good. And, you know, SJ, I, I don't know. I think you're going to get a pretty good mother-in-law. I, I don't know about the other one. But um, I, I, I think you're going to be okay. And I'm, I'm sure they're glad to have you. So, guys, congratulations. Amen. What a blessing this morning. Uh, hope you guys had a, a great Thanksgiving. I know it may be a little bit different this year with some restrictions and regulations, but the more I think about it, I'm so thankful for the gentleman that created elastic waistbands, um, or lady, or whoever that may have been, and uh, I could eat all the turkey I wanted to, and, and my pants, they had a little movement in them, and so I'm so thankful for that, but I pray that you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we still have a lot to be thankful for, Amen. Even in, in these times of this pandemic and times of uh, uncertainties, we still have a lot of certainties to be thankful for. And that's that God loves us and God continues to provide for us and he continues to take care of us. I'm so thankful uh, for the opportunity to be able to spend time with my family uh, over this holiday. And I'm sure you've been very, very thankful. But I'm also glad to be able to spend time with my church family. Amen. Uh, we are a church family. That is who we are. We are Cecilia Baptist Church, and I'm very, very thankful uh, for our church family being able to serve here, being able to preach the Word of God here, uh, be able to make disciples here, and hopefully, prayerfully, seeing people get saved and baptized and joining this church family. What an awesome opportunity that God has given us. Amen. It's okay to smile, church. It's, it's, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to worship and in spirit and in truth. I know that there's something in Turkey that makes us a little lethargic. Um, but listen, we're here to praise God this morning. We're here to worship the Lord. We're here to praise His name and to sing and to give of our gifts and, and, and to hear the good word of God. And that's why we are here this morning. God made it for you to be here this morning. And even for those that are watching at home this morning, I, we, we miss you and we love you. We are still praying for you all. Uh, I know we've got some sick people in our church as well, and we're lifting them up each and every day, and we miss you. I pray that you have your Bible with you this morning. Go ahead and get it open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19 through 22. We're going to end a three-week series today as we're talking about embracing some things that desperately need to be embraced in our lives, in our spiritual lives, and in our church family. And the title of the sermon today is Embrace the What? Embrace the Truth. Embrace the truth. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19 through 22. Get your Bible, get your sermon outline ready, get you a pencil, get you a pen, crayon, whatever you need as we start working through the Word of God this morning. So first thing we need to clarify is this. What is the truth? What is it? Well, according to the Webster's Dictionary, the truth is this. It's the body of real things, events, and facts. So I want to lay a few truths on you this morning. I want you to listen to this article written on May 15th, 2017, just a few years ago from Gallup.com. Listen to this. Fewer than one in four Americans, 24%, now believe that the Bible is the actual Word of God. 
and is to be taken literally word for word, similar to the 26% who view it as a book of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts recorded by man. This is the first time ever in Gallup's four decades, 40-year span, that biblical literalism has not surpassed biblical skepticism. Church, I don't know if you understand that, but that's scary. Listen to this article. Stunning new results from the American Worldview Inventory of 2020. Produced by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, found that the percentage of Americans who believe that the Bible is the inspired true word of God is down more than 21% or 21 points since 2000. This parallels and similarly uh, uh, 50 or precipitous 50% decrease in biblical worldview in America over the same time period from 12% to the current 6% is the lowest number ever recorded. So why would the Apostle Paul address the Thessalonica church about embracing truthfulness? Because the twisting of the truth started way before the year of 2020. That's why. Throughout the New Testament, we've seen churches struggle on whom to follow. We've been talking about this in our Sunday school class. We've witnessed Jesus warn about false prophets. We've seen disagreements over doctrine. We've seen Paul tell the Galatian Christians these words. He said, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Jesus himself even prepared us on how to recognize false teachers. He said that they would be recognized by their fruit. And the Apostle John said, we'll know them by their lack of love, and they deny the humanity of Christ while disobeying the commands of Jesus. The Apostle Peter even said, but there were also false prophets among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of the truth into disrepute. Wow. Paul knew that the Thessalonian church would encounter heresy. Paul knew that the Christians in Thessalonica, they would encounter false prophets. He knew that they would encounter false teachers. He knew that they would encounter divisions. And let's just put it plainly, Paul knew that Satan would try to influence people to belittle the gospel to have the gospel second-guessed, and eventually people would try to twist the gospel to fit their own agendas, or the gospel would be basically just tossed what? It would be just tossed aside. So let me ask you, church, are you ready? Do you see this happening today? Do you see the very same things happening in the world and in the culture and the environment that we live in today? If so, then how can we stay centered on the gospel truths while the winds of deceit and untruthfulness try diligently to pull us what? Pull us away. People are saying you don't need the Word of God. 
People are saying you don't need the church. People are saying that the Bible is just a myth, it's just fairy tales, it's just made up legends by men that had nothing better to do with their time. How can we change this? How can we reintroduce the gospel into the home? How can we reintroduce the gospel, let's just be honest, into the church? What is it that we need to do? Well, let's read our Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19 through 22. Listen to the Word of God. It says, do not put out the Spirit's what? The fire. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. He says, hold on to the what? To the good. And avoid every kind of evil. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the music. Thank you for blessing us this morning, Lord, with the health and the opportunity to be here and to worship your holy name. Father, you are good. And Lord, we thank you for everything that you have provided. Thank you for our families. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for life in general. And God, I know there are people that are hurting in this world. Father, there are people that are hurting spiritually. God, there are people that are hurting physically. Lord, there are people that are hurting mentally and psychologically. Father, there are people that are living in fear and they need to be encouraged. Father, they need to be lifted up. Lord, they need some hope. They need some joy. And Father, I pray this morning that we're reminded that that's found in you, Lord. Father, that's found in your word. It's found with the encompassing of the Holy Spirit within our lives. And Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that we embrace you, God. Not that we embrace this world, not that we embrace all the pretty and the shiny things, Lord, that, that draw us away and the heresies and the deceitfulness and the lies and the world that is out there, God, that says put your hope and, and your joy in this and this will bring your salvation and your happiness. No, Lord, I pray today, God, that we get back to embracing the truths of who you are and who we are supposed to be. So Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you're already moving like a fire. I pray this morning that you're already opening up hearts, that you're already bringing conviction. Lord, that you're already making changes in lives and in families, God. Lord, let this be the day that you show up in a mighty way. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. You know, church, I, I, I don't like being the bearer of bad news. But I will tell you that for many people today, the gospel of Jesus Christ is becoming a hindrance. It's becoming a hindrance. For many people today, the gospel of Jesus, it's old. The gospel of Jesus is outdated. Or the gospel of Jesus just does not fit in with our current culture to say I'm a believer in Jesus without knowing the fundamental truths of the gospel. This is what I'm seeing as a pastor. Brother Donnie, isn't it just enough? Isn't it just okay? Yes, I, I say I've been saved. I, I'm coming to church. But is it really important that I know the truths of God's word?
Isn't it just okay, Brother Donnie, that I'm just a believer? And that I don't have to worry about the discipleship process. Isn't it just okay to be a believer and yet ignore the Word of God? I know John 3.16. I know a verse or two of the Bible. I know there's 66 books in the Bible. I know there's 45,000 translations of the Bible. But Brother Donnie, isn't it just enough for me to say that I'm a, I'm a born-again believer? How much of this truth is it that I really need to learn and that I need to retain and that I need to be able to share with other people? Well, in our scripture this morning, the Apostle Paul gives the church of Thessalonica five truths to embrace within their relationship with Jesus as individuals and as a church family. And it starts with this. Number one, do not what? Don't quench the Holy Ghost. Amen? Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Paul says, do not put out the Spirit's what? His fire. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit lives in every born again believer. Did you know that? Did you know if you are here today and you have professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God lives in who? He lives within you. From Romans 8, 9 to 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to Ephesians 1, 13 and throughout the New Testament, the Spirit is symbolized by a four-letter word known as fire. So here's what we know. The Holy Spirit is symbolic. It's a symbolic fire that works in the life and the believer as a teacher, as a reminderer, as someone who brings conviction and in someone that imparts Wisdom, encouragement, strength, and someone who guides us in all what? Truths, as a gift giver, as a seal, as someone that helps us bear what kind of fruit? Good fruit, and someone that intercedes for us in our what? In our, in our prayer life. This is how important the Holy Spirit is within your life. So how would the Christians at Thessalonica or even us today try and quench the Spirit's fire within ourselves and corporately? See, I'm not throwing the church under, under, under the blanket here. But I think it's important that we understand the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And not just the importance of the Holy Spirit within our lives individually, but also the presence of the Holy Spirit as we meet to worship whom? As we meet to worship Jesus Christ. So how do we quench the Spirit? How do we put out the Spirit's fire? Well, let me ask you guys this question before I ever get into answering that. How many times have you ever went to church and you left and you told your neighbor, told you somebody that you were sitting with, maybe it was your wife, maybe it was your husband, maybe it was your children, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it was, how many times have y'all ever went to church and said, man, I just did not feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? Did you ever think for one minute maybe you were part to blame on that? 
Did you ever think that? Did you ever think that people experiencing the Holy Spirit within your lives makes a difference to them? When we get to come into church and worship our great God and our Creator and our Savior and our Sustainer, we've got the choir that's up here singing, the choir that's up here putting a smile on their face because they're glad they get to sing a new song. Amen? You get to come in the church doors and find a comfortable seat. It's heated. It's cooled. We're doing everything we can do to make people safe and to make you feel what? To make you feel comfortable. And so when we come in and we look around, or we leave, typically we have two responses. I felt the presence of God there today, or I didn't feel absolutely what? I didn't feel absolutely anything. So how do we put out the Spirit's fire? Well, to put it bluntly, it's sinfulness. Church, it's sinfulness. And here's what I'm talking about. Lack of spiritual obedience. Lack of worship. Lack of spiritual disciplines. Selfishness. Self-righteousness. Neglecting to use our spiritual gifts and listening to flawed theology, which we'll get to that in just a moment. How important is it to you to get to come in and worship God today? What does it mean to you and your family? Put the cell phones up. Put the worries of tomorrow. Let, let them worry about what? Let them worry about tomorrow. You're here to worship God. You're here to praise His holy name. You are here to give. You are here to be a servant. You are here to be a witness. You are here to be an example. What does it mean for you to be here today? I think we have forgotten the importance of worship. I think we have forgotten what it means to have the freedoms of coming in on a, in a car. How easy it is to get here. And we take these things and we say, Lord, they'll just always be there next what? It'll be there next Sunday. It'll be there next month. It'll be there next year. But I wonder how many of us are quenching the Spirit's flames. I wonder how many of us are suppressing what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. The Holy Spirit wants us to be a light into the world in which people encounter Jesus Christ through us. The Spirit wants us to serve. The Spirit wants us to be useful. The Spirit wants us to worship. The Spirit wants to speak in truth. And the Spirit wants you and I to use the gifts that He has instilled within us. Are we hot? Are we lukewarm? Or are we cold? What would you say that you are? Are you hot? Are you lukewarm? Or are you cold? And then secondly is this. Do not de-emphasize the Word of what? The Word of God. Do not de-emphasize the Word of God. Paul says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Now the word prophecies in this verse, it's, it's indicating the preaching of the Word of God. That's what we're talking about. And we know that the preaching of God's words, it, it brings strengthening, it brings encouragement, and it brings comfort according to 1 Corinthians 14.3. Or maybe the preaching of the Word is evangelistic in which it leads to conviction and conversion of unbelievers through the Holy what? Through the Holy Ghost. 
through the Holy Spirit. So right now, at this very moment, you are hearing God's what? You're hearing God's Word. And Paul is saying to us, don't de-emphasize the Word, but take the hearing of the Word very, very what? Very seriously. So let me ask you, how serious do you take the preaching or the teaching of God's Word? How serious do you take it? You know, throughout my Christian life, I've noticed that many times people love engaging in music. They love the fellowship, and they really love all the things that happen before the sermon. But then the sermon comes, and it's time to take a nap. Amen? Then the sermon comes, and it's time to lean back, Lord. Then the sermon comes, and it's time to get comfortable. And then the sermon comes, and it's time to check our phones. And then the sermon comes, and we're thinking about what we're going to have for lunch. And then the sermon comes, and we just tune that preacher out. And we start to get lethargic. We start to get lazy. We're here. We hear the Word, but we're not listening to what's going on. We have no engagement with the Holy Spirit and what He wants for our lives. We're here. Here, we're accounted for, Pastor. Be thankful that we got out of bed this morning and we got up to your church and here. But Lord, hey, don't ask me to be engaged. Don't ask me to hear the Word of God. Don't ask me to take the preaching seriously, no matter how low you get or how high you get. Because I'm going to make my own decisions on what I take seriously in my what. In my life, I hope and pray that, brothers and sisters, that's, that's not you this morning, because if it is, I need to see you ASAP at the end of this sermon. We need to pray, amen? You need to get down on bended knees and say, God, change this heart of stone. Change something in me, Lord. Are we hot or are we cold? I want you to think about this, and don't get me wrong. I love music, and I love fellowship, and those are integral parts of the worship. But don't forget. Paul told Timothy, he said, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You want to quench the Holy Spirit? You want to grieve the Holy Spirit? Ignore God's Word. Ignore my preaching. Ignore the preaching of the Word and just slide back into your lazy boys on Sunday morning and just say, well, I'm going to endure it. You want to grieve the Holy Spirit in your life? That's where it can start. One in four Americans believe the Bible is the actual Word of God. I wonder how many Christians are now falling into that category. How many Christians are now falling into that same category? And then thirdly, carefully examine the word being preached. Examine the word being preached. This is why the preacher always says, open up your what? Open up your Bible. Paul says, test it all. The King James, it says, prove all things. So I think all of us know people can be very gullible. And we're living in a day and age, if it's on Facebook, if it's on Twitter, if it's on Instagram, if it's on Parler, it's on the Internet, then it's got to be what? 
Oh, it's got to be true, Brother Donnie. If it's on those things, it's got to be true. J.C. Ryle once said, he said, Every individual Christian has a right to judge for himself by the Word of God. Whether that which is put before him as religious truth is God's truth or is not. He does not say, whatsoever apostles, whatsoever evangelists, pastors and teachers, whatsoever you bishops, whatsoever you ministers, tell you is truth that you are to believe. No, he says, prove all things. He does not say, whatever soever the universal church pronounces true that you are to hold. No, he says, prove all things. Prove all all things. Listen, when I became a pastor, I promised God, I said, Lord, I am going to do my best to preach and teach the full truth of the gospel. The full truth of it, Lord. But I encourage every single person to read the Word of God, and if I ever say anything contrary to the Word of God, then I promise, I hope, and I pray that you will see me. That you will come to me individually, and then we will talk about God's Word. Christians can be gullible as well, and this is why we have to test everything to see if the Word is true or if false teachings are trying to enter into the church. It says, test it all. Listen to, Acts, listen to this, Acts 17, 11. Listen to this. Now, the Bereans were a more noble character than the Thessalonians. And that's who we're talking about today. For they received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the Scriptures every day to see what Paul said was true. I want you to think for a moment, how easy is it to lead people astray? How easy is it to lead people astray? I could tell you that God spoke to me in a dream last night that the world is coming to an end tomorrow. But in return, you should know, the Bible says, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the what? But only the Father. Let me say this. I am not a Christian because someone told me that I had to be. That is, what, that is not why I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian because I read the Word, believed the Word, and the Holy Spirit filled me with His presence. And church, watch this. I'm not a Southern Baptist because someone brainwashed me or told me that I had to be. I'm a Southern Baptist because I believe our statements of faith are validated through the Word of God. Amen? Not tradition, not men, but through the Word of what? The Word of God. When somebody asks me, well, what are you? Well, first and foremost, I'm a Christian. Amen? No, 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 no. I mean, what are you? What, what denomination are you? Well, I am a Southern Baptist. Well, why, Brother Donnie, are you a Southern Baptist? Not because my mama and my daddy told me so. Not because the preacher that led me to Jesus Christ brainwashed me and said, you, son, are going to be a Southern Baptist preacher. No, I am a Southern Baptist because our confessions of faith are validated through the Word of God. That's why I'm a Southern Baptist. And you should know why you're one too. Amen? You should know what to believe. Who to believe. And then fourthly, hold firmly to the what? To the good. Hold firm to the good. Now listen, Paul says hold on to it. 
Basically, Paul is saying, hold on, grasp firmly, don't let go, and remember the good teachings that align with the Word of God. So when it comes to golf, now I know there's a few golfers of you all in here. Larry Calvert, I think, is watching. Larry, I know you're a golfer. Amen, brother. But if there's a few of us people in here that's a little crazy and plays golf from time to time. It's a little bit of medicine for me every now and then to escape and get on the golf course. But when it comes to golf, it's all about the grip pressure. Amen? If you hold the golf club too tightly, what does it do? It leads to tight arms, it leads to tight shoulders, and then your swing is restricted and you can't hit anything. So one needs to hold on to the golf club with light what? Grip pressure. Because when you hold on lightly, it relieves the tension. But church, follow me. When it comes to the Word of God, one needs to grip it with such firmness that it becomes a part of who we are. Don't let go. Do not compromise the Word of God. For some, the good in their lives, it may be prosperity. For some, the good in their lives, maybe it's wealth, maybe it's fame, maybe it's fortune. But for the Christian, the good in our lives is God, and it's His what? It's His Word. Matthew 5, 16, it tells us in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Our good deeds are coming in resemblance and a reflection of who? Of God. It's a reflection of God. So holding on to God's goodness, what does it do? My golly, it shapes our lives. It shapes our actions and they shape our witness. That's why we love God so much. Amen. That's why we get to God's word. People say, but Brother Donnie, what do you think about this? It don't matter what I think about this. This is what matters. Amen. This is what matters. So when someone comes to you with a cultural view or a world view or a 2020 view and they say, oh, Brother Donnie, but this is what they say is okay today. This is what they say is we should just run to. This is what they say that we should hold firmly to. No, 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 no. Because when it contradicts the Word of God, let it go. And hold firmly to this because this is the way and this is the truth and this is the life and this is where it's found it's not found in the world it's not found in cultural views it's not found in world views it's found right here which reminds us of our last point this morning number five do not entertain anything that gives the appearance of what of evil do not, this is a command, church, are you with me? Do not entertain anything that gives the appearance of evil. Paul says avoid every kind of evil. If you got the King James this morning, it says abstain from all appearance of what? Of evil. So why should Christians avoid evil or even the appearance of evil? Well, I want to remind us of two things. Are you ready? Number one, when you become a Christian, people are watching you, and when we decide to be involved in evil, our witness becomes what? Compromised. Our witness becomes 
compromise. And listen, we're just going to be absolutely transparent. Are you ready? Are you ready? How many times have you ever done something and the Holy Spirit convicts you and you think to yourself, Lord, I just ruined that moment for someone else. Father, forgive me. We have all been there. We have all done it. And this is why we have to be reminded of who we are. And then number two, if we're not careful, evil influences will lead to evil desires, and evil desires will lead to evil what? Actions. Someone once said these words, and as childish as they are, they make absolute perfect sense for any adult. Are you ready? If it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, and quacks like a duck, then it probably is a what? It probably is a duck. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Evil can come in the form of many things. And church, I think you know this. I can give you a few. You ready? Sexual immorality, stealing, addiction, murder, and the list goes on and on and on. But I want you to remember the word of James, the brother of Jesus. He said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and God will come near to who? He'll come near to you. So church, I want to ask you, are, what truths are you embracing in the year of 2020? Because I believe Satan has put a mighty attack on the church. I believe that Satan has put a mighty attack on the Word of God. Is your spirit on fire? Do you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit within your life? Are you listening intently to the Word of God while examining it for yourself? Are you holding on to the good while running away from the evil? And for some, maybe our fires are not as prevalent as they used to be. Maybe we need a renewed spirit this morning. Maybe we need a renewed heart this morning. Jim Kambala once said in the church today, we're falling prey to the appeal of new. The old truths of the gospel don't seem spectacular enough. We're restless for the latest and the greatest and the newest teaching or technique. You want to see a revival? You want to see the church explode? Then embrace the truths of God. Pray like David. Renew your spirit in who? In me, Lord. And let's cling to the good and get rid of the what? And get rid of the evil. Church, I encourage you today. As Billy comes and we get ready to have this invitation and we get ready to sing. If we're honest with ourselves this morning, how many of us feel like our spirit has been put out a little bit? 
If we're honest with ourselves this morning, how many of us have fallen into the rut of church is just something that we do? If we're honest with ourselves this morning, how many of us have started to be persuaded by what the world says is truth while ignoring the truth? I pray this morning that you would come. I pray this morning that you would come and that you would pray. I don't know everything that's going on in your life. God does. The Holy Spirit does. Maybe you've been suppressing the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe there's some things that you've been hanging on to that's brought hurt and brought pain. And you've decided, this is my way, Lord. But yet there's things that God's wanting to do in your life, but you're just, no, 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 no. I pray this morning you'll come and give that to God and say, Spirit, renew me today. Ignite that fire in me today. Will you stand this morning?